In today's show, we're looking at the Golden State Warriors and their fantasy basketball outlook for the upcoming season. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we're available on all platforms. It's Golden State Warriors preview time. We're going to look at this team Sleepers, busts, how we value them, who's on the roster, all that sort of stuff. Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> all right. Um, I feel like I went too early on the ha-ha there. Anyway, Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl, still rolling along. I have, at the moment of me recording this, sent out invites for the Hawks, Celtics, Nets, Hornets, Bulls, and Cavs divisions. So check your email, pay up, get in, and we can get draft orders done. I might, by the time you listen to this, have also done Dallas and Denver. That might They might have gone out as well. I'm getting an overwhelming number of entries for category leagues, not as many for points leagues. So if you do want to be a part of it and you know, you're keen to and you're interested in playing a points league or you're playing a points league, get in there. There are going to be some spots available for that. You know what to do though. You email lofbbowl at gmail.com. The instructions are pretty simple. I've had a few people that just send an email to that address, let me in. Okay, that's not really how it's working here. You've got to follow some simple instructions. To get in to the Warriors division, in the subject line of your email, write Warriors Cats. Warriors Cats or Warriors Points if you want in the Points League. It makes it easy if you put that. So when I go to search for the specific entries, I can just type in Warriors Cats. Some people will put GSW cats or GSW PTS or something like that. It makes it a little bit harder for me to search through the hundreds and hundreds of emails to find your entry. So if you just write Warriors cats, Warriors points, makes it a lot easier for me to find your entries. This is a 360-team league, um, massive fantasy basketball championship for categories and for points. We've culminated all in a one-week 60-team battle royal Battle Battle Royale, basically, it's $25 entry, $4,500 prize goes to first overall. I want to build this up to be something really, really big over the coming years. So getting involved now would be awesome. Um, I might also, I haven't 100% decided this, but if you end up getting into the final Battle Royal week, I might guarantee you a spot for next season in this. Um, yeah, maybe we'll do that. So some details there on the screen. The rules are going to be linked below. You send that email to lofbbowl at gmail.com. You put Warriors Cats in the subject or Warriors Points. And then later on in the show, I will give you one final piece of information that you need to include in the body of the email. Chuck whatever else you want in there. Someone sent me a photo of him doing a backflip. And then, you know what? I laughed and went, all right, you're in. Just random stuff, jokes, stats, comments, stories, heartwarming stuff, whatever. Just chuck whatever you want in there. Maybe it catches my eye and we get in to um, one of these leagues, which I think are going to be pretty good fun. Majority of the drafts are starting around September 29th, September 30th as slow drafts. Some of them will push a little bit later, though. Remember that, too. Um, all right. 
let's look at the Warriors. Let's look at their schedule and how it breaks down. They have a lot of quality games. 55. It's not league high, but it is above average. 55 quality games, meaning, again, that it just does help spread things out throughout your week so you're not going to have as much concentration on the big the big boy Wednesdays when they're 13 games on or the big boy Fridays. If you can get teams with more quality games, it's not a huge determining factor in whether you draft someone. It's a very, very, very minuscule factor. But it's useful when looking at waiver wire ads. It's useful when looking at tiebreaker decisions. The problem for the Warriors, though, is they have a league-high back-to-backs. And this is a team that's old, or their key players are quite old, most of them. This is a team that obviously went to the NBA Finals and won it all and will be in a little bit of preservation mode. They've got three players who are coming off seasons. Well, actually, two players coming off seasons where they had injuries that cost them a lot of time in Steph and Draymond. And, of course, the return of Clay Thompson happened last season. So those 15 back-to-backs do... Does Steph sit 10 of those? Does Draymond sit 10 of those? Does Clay sit all of them? I think that's distinctly possible. Do they ease off a little bit on the minutes to push through these back-to-backs? Don't know. Their playoff schedule is strong. It's pretty good right across the board. You finish on March the 19th, they have 11 games. 4-3-4. You finish on March the 26th, they have 11 games. 3-4-4. Good schedule. You finish on April the 2nd, they have 11 games. 4-4-3. So really strong playoff schedule. But you hope Steph will play or Draymond will play. You watch the back-to-backs there. You watch random rests if they're sitting comfortably where they're standing or seating position. It's a risk that's really hard to judge. But their playoff schedule as a whole is relatively strong, relatively um, relatively good. Better lines better than relatively good. It is the number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs. Find all the latest sports developments, football developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games. I'm recording this after a bunch of week two NFL games just finished. Some crazy finishes. I saw the uh, overtime Cardinals Raiders game. There was the um, Bengals losing on that last second field goal to the Cowboys. Just crazy. My Dolphins going bananas in week two as well. And all of the week three stuff is going to be up over at Bet Online, so you can check all of those odds. In fact, the odds are already up for week three. And the oh, we've got the Bills this week, and we're four-point underdogs. Nah, we can do it, mate. We're 2-0, the Dolphins. Let's fire them up. Taking on the Buffalo Bills, and you can check all of that out at Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online is where the game starts. So, what impacts the projections for the Warriors? We do not know how hard they will push. Sometimes this stuff gets overrated. There will be people who are talking, well, they're just going to go so easy. They're not going to care. Um, they're not going to try. And there'll be, I think, more strategic rests. But generally, when the players are on the court, they're going to do what they do. You know, Steph's not going to go out there and half-ass it and, and not try. Like Maybe he's not at 100% effort the whole time, but is he 99? These are players who are elite athletes, and when they're on the court, they want to kill their opponents in a metaphorical way. They want to dominate them. They want to put up numbers all the time. They want to show how good they are all the time. They don't want to do it only if they're in a contract year. They don't want to do it only if they're in the playoffs. If they're on the court and the game means something and the other players are good, they want to beat them. The problem we have is what does management think? Like how much will they sit them? Like I don't think they're going to say, Steph, you play 29 minutes a game to really sit. Like, 
Draymond, will he play 32? No chance. He's probably more 28 minutes. Just ease off a minute. Like, where does Clay fit? Sitting those back-to-backs. Steph, we're going to preserve you a little bit. Play a little bit less. Just to keep that health going. But it's not going to be gigantic. Where, you know, oh, you're playing 50 games and 30 minutes a night. And some people seem to have that idea in their head. It's not quite, I don't think, going to be like that. I'd be pretty shocked if that's the case. One of the other big questions is, do they have any trust in James Wiseman? Didn't play at all last season. Barely played in his first year. Really struggled defensively on the court. Some of his offensive shot selection. His numbers, wow, look at him. Put up points and rebounds, like 13 and 7 or whatever it was. Um, Doesn't mean that he was good because he wasn't. But if they trust him and say, well, okay, we've seen what he's done. He's recovered. He helps our team. Let's give him 22 minutes a night. And that changes a lot. It changes a lot for the forward rotations because it means fewer minutes for Draymond at center, maybe fewer minutes for Draymond overall. It doesn't necessarily impact Looney that much because he's not a high-minute guy, but if Wiseman plays 23 minutes, his stats go up and he becomes a useful someone to look at. Can they deal with struggles or scheme uncertainty or the way that sometimes he just doesn't know where he is? Can they stomach that during the regular season? Because if they can, he does have fantasy value. If they can't, and if he's out there and they're just going, what is this guy doing? Which is what happened in his rookie season. Then the numbers drop and other guys' values increase. Kaminga's values increase and Wiggins' increases. And Draymond's, he plays an extra minute or so. The other thing is Wiggins' effort. He figured out that to get rebounds, you've got to try. And he did that in the playoffs. And averaged like seven boards a game or eight boards, something crazy. And in the regular season, he averaged like four. Uh, can I project him to do what he did in the finals? I mean, sure. I don't know that I want to. And I don't know that I trust that he's figured it out and he will give that effort the whole time. But what if he does? What if he plays like that guy that we saw in the NBA finals? Then his value goes through the roof. Because part of his issue is that he could score, but he's inefficient. Steals and blocks aren't great. He never gets assists. His rebounds are bad. He just does nothing for fantasy. But what if he starts pulling in seven boards a game? What if he starts, you know, paying attention and shooting better from the free throw line? It changes quite a bit. And there are things that I I don't know what his effort's going to be like. Will he attack the boards with sustained vigor like he did in the playoffs? We just, at this point, we don't know it. Let's look at some breakout candidates. Again, defining this, we're looking at players who I think we're going to talk about differently or a chance to talk about differently. Guys to have a look at, their value might increase. And one of those, I think, has got to be John Kaminga, who was a high draft pick last season. Much like Wiseman, you can see the athletic gifts and you see him on the court and you go, what are you doing? Like, why are you there? Why are you taking this shot? What are you doing? Um, And we saw it in Summer League. Again, just what are you doing? But also, sometimes you look at him and you go, wow, how did you do that? And it's trying to meld those things together. There is an opportunity with Jermichael Green and Otto Porter and Nemanja Bielitsa all gone for Kaminga to step in and have a regular rotation role. Here's your question for the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl entry. Jonathan Kaminga. Jonathan Kaminga. Averaged how many minutes per game last season? The answer is 17. 17 minutes a game. I think he plays more. Over 20. But... He could also be stuck behind Draymond, Wiggins, Looney, Wiseman. He has a poor free free throw percentage. 
He gets no assists. He doesn't hit threes well. Steals and blocks might come. But maybe they don't. He might be a top 200 player. He might be a top 100 player. And if something happens to Draymond or to Wiggins and they go with him full-time as a 30-minute starter, maybe he averages 16 and 8 with a steal and a block and, and one and a half threes. That's so valuable. It requires a bit to get there, but it's an opportunity. Same goes with Wiseman I just spoke about. I'm not massively into Wiseman. I don't think he's as good as some people thought he was when he was drafted or this high sky-high upside because of how athletic he is. And he is. He's super fast. He's super um, big. He's a massive leaper, but he just doesn't know where to be. He could easily average 12 and 7 in 24 minutes. And if he's actually switched on and good, maybe he plays 28. Averages two blocks. Hits half a three. Gives you 60% shooting. I doubt it, but maybe. This is opportunity. If he can't do it again this year, then you, you start to call into question where he goes from here. And Jordan Poole. Now, some would argue, including me, that he had a breakout last season. We were really big on him last season as a late-round pick. He exceeded all of my expectations, for sure. But when I talk breakout for Jordan Poole, uh, hear me out. Could he this season establish himself as better than Clay Thompson? That's what I mean as a breakout candidate. At this point... We'll talk sleepers and busts later. He's sort of on that fringe. I don't know where he fits. How much does he play with a healthy Stephen Clay? How many shots does he get? But what if he comes back year four, and now there's talk that they won't extend him, and he'll go into restricted free agency, and they might not have enough money to actually pay him next year. Not saying that contract year is a thing, because it's not. But what I am saying is it's his fourth season. He showed gigantic improvements last year. What if he is better than Clay? What if he is better than Clay and a consistent top 35 fantasy player? If I said to you Moses Moody is a top 30 fantasy player, you'd tell me that I was crazy. And there's no, and I obviously would say I myself is crazy and I'd probably shut this channel down. There's no chance of him getting there. Jordan Poole getting to top 30 this season. Sure, what if he plays 32 a night? Averages 23 with six assists. Hits three threes. Goes to the line four times on 90% shooting. There you go. Top 30. What if he just goes bananas? He took that big step last season, but there's more, I think. I don't I don't think it comes this season. I think it probably comes the year after. But what if there's more? Very interested to see it. Sleepers. I tossed and turned. I didn't. I just debated it for a couple of minutes. But Draymond Green, is he a sleeper or not? Yahoo's got him at 74. ESPN's got him at 74. I He was 54th last season in 29 minutes a game. He is really... This is category leagues. He is really, really team dependent because he might not average seven points per game. And if you are in a situation where you are trying to keep your points really high, adding him to your team kills it, fluffs it. He might slide. Like at 74, I've seen him slide to the 90s because like, I just don't want that scoring. That so low scoring. His field goals are okay. His free throws are okay. He doesn't take many, so it doesn't really matter either way. Block shots, get steals, great rebounds, great assists. But the, the lack of points is a killer. And we worry about injury and game sat. So on a per game basis, he might be 50th. His ADP says you, you know, he's 20 spot, going 20 spots too low. But with injury risk built in and the fact of points, like for some people, he's a top 40 value player. For some, he's not a top 100 guy because of that massive, massive hit in the points category that you cop. So he's sort of a sleeper. 
at 74 and you're sitting there at 74 and you're in a punt point situation, you grab him. It's great for your team. But for other teams, it's just not worth it. I think Jordan Poole, who is going at 87 on ESPN, is also a little bit of a sleeper. He was 55th in category leagues last season, Pooley. And while I have some concern that if Stephen Clay are healthy, that maybe he just struggles to fit in and he plays 27 a night, like I said earlier, he might play 32 and completely blow up. He won't supplant Clay as a starter, but he might completely blow up. So 87 is good value. Now on Yahoo pulls at 71, Fantrax is at 56, which we'll talk about in a second. And they're probably, look, 71's probably right. 87, and he's actually ranked 106th on ESPN. And just for deeper leagues, DiVincenzo is going at 279 on Fantrax, and he's 213 on ESPN. That is too low for the big ragu. Now, for some reason, his ADP is 141 on Yahoo, which is stupidly high. But he should have a role off the bench and probably be a top 200 player, giving you a little bit of scope there. In points leagues, I don't really see any significant sleepers on this on this team. Outside of, you know, there's a little bit of value in DiVincenzo at that late spot. But even like Jordan Poole in ESPN points was 85th last season. So him going at 87 over there doesn't actually make him a points league sleeper. Makes him sort of, you know, bang on right about where he needs to be. Busts. There's a few here. Jordan Poole is going at 56 on fan tracks. Yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you why I don't know. Yes, he was 55th last season. So 56, you'd look at that and go, Josh, what are you talking about? Like, that's bang on. He played 30 minutes a night. But remember, again, he played without Clay Thompson. Clay came back. 10 games later, Steph went out. So he played 70 of his... Did he play 80 games? He played a lot. Yeah, 65 games without either Clay or Steph, enabling him to be a starter and to play 30 minutes a night. And in the games where they played, he struggled to fit in. And I've already mentioned a million times there is potential for, for growth here. But at 56, okay, you actually what's the chance of him beating? Like, he can beat it. But the chance of him getting back to last season and then exceeding it, which when you're picking in round four, round five, which is that, that area is, I'd like a guy who's got a decent chance of beating that number or even a, and with a solid floor of being around there. Whereas I think Poole has a decent chance of getting to that number, a slim chance of beating it, but a much greater chance of not achieving that number. So I just think 56 is too high. Andrew Wiggins is always an interesting one because in points leagues, he's valued decently. In category leagues, he's not that good. Yet all of the ADPs reflect his points league value. Yahoo 77, Fantrax 75, ESPN 74. Remarkably consistent. He was 131st in category leagues last season. In large part, that's free throw issues. And I think he's probably more of a 100, 110 guy. And if he gets the improvement in rebounds and they go way up, which is possible, but not, not necessarily going to happen, maybe he gets there. But these are points league draft spots, points league ADPs, because the ranking on these sites is pushing him into that points league zone. So people are just drafting him there. This is not who he is as a category league contributor. Again, overall rank at 130, whatever, is not reflective also of who he is. Probably somewhere in the middle. But at 77, like, what are we doing? And then fan tracks, they're just throwing these random ADPs out there. Why is Looney at 58? Just don't get sucked in. I guess some of it is they ranked him too high because he played. They had this random score setting, which I don't know what it means, and they need to get rid of it, fan tracks, if you're listening. 
That score setting in the draft makes no sense. And the reason that Looney's high in that is because he played all 82 games as sides continually overvalue the impact of totals or their predictive nature of totals, which is zero, basically. It's not quite zero. It's pretty close to zero. So Looney, therefore, his score is up really high. His rank is therefore high. And then his ADP follows at 58. It's stupid. Um, yeah, don't Please don't pick him there. Now, busts. Steph Curry's a bust. What? What are you talking about, Josh? In a points league, Steph Curry is a bust. You pick his ADP. I would argue that you probably want to go even like eight to ten in a category league for Steph. I know he played really well in the finals, but age, um, injury risk. He wasn't as good last season. Toe injury had an impact on it. Clay had a higher usage, and now it's a whole season of Clay. Like, how does he fit in? Does he take a step back? Yeah, six, uh, Yahoo 6, Fantrax 7, ESPN 6. In category leagues, I'd argue that's maybe one or two spots too high, maybe three spots too high. In a Yahoo points league, Steph was ranked 17th per game last season. You take him at six, you've lost your mind. In an ESPN points league, Steph was ranked 14th. You take him at sixth, you've again lost your mind. So it's like the opposite of Wiggins is that these ADPs for Steph, influenced by ranks, are based on some category value, not on points value. So if you're picking Steph at ADP in a points league, you're losing. If you're picking Wiggins at ADP in a category league, you're losing. So it's not, there's not a straightforward method to all of this. It's not like, well, all these ADPs are based on points leagues, because they're not. They pick and choose the rankings. That's why there's no consistency in any of the rankings of what they mean or what they influence. And it's why we have to understand what they all are. To, un- to get, like, like, so if you're sitting at your draft and you're in a point C and you're at pick six and Steph's there, don't do it. Like, don't pick it just because he's there and it's because his name's Steph Curry. It's not who he is as a points league player. And then talked about Draymond maybe having sleeper value. In a points league, I'm not picking him at 74 on Yahoo or 67 on Fantrax or 74 on ESPN. They're way too high in a points league. Draymond averaged, what did he average in a points league last season? 31 fantasy points. That was good for 78th. Okay. On ESPN scoring, he averaged 32 fantasy points. That was good for 71st. With the games played risk with him, I'm just not taking him around that same value or higher in some of these cases. It doesn't really make sense to me. Guys that I'd look at with my last pick, I've already said these names, but we'll say it again. James Wiseman, I'd consider it. John Kaminga, I'd consider it. I'd probably end up dropping them two weeks into the season, but they are at least options for us to take a flyer on with the last pick. Let's go through the rest of this team. Talked about Steph already. I do think that there is... He's 34. Like, if he drops off a little bit, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. He already dropped off a bit last season. He was ninth in category leagues last season. I think picking him at the end of the first round in a category league, is reasonable. I wouldn't take him top five. He could get back there, but I just wouldn't do it. And in points leagues, I said that already. Now, Clay's interesting. 81st in category leagues last season, 79th in points leagues. He came back and he led the team in usage. Way higher usage than Steph. His efficiency wasn't really that good, but he did average 20 points and hit a lot of threes. And I think he's probably going to do that again. Hit a lot of threes, have 20 points, 
have no steals, no blocks, low assists, low rebounds, although he's assisted improve, and be relatively inefficient. And will he sit all back-to-backs? I'm not sure. His ADP 67, Clay's ears on Yahoo, it's probably too high. ESPN at 68, it's probably too high. To me, he's more of an 80s guy. Wiggins, we spoke about already. Round 9, round 10 in category leagues. Round 7 in a points league is fine, but his values have discrepancies. And then Looney. I said Draymond. We've talked about Draymond a lot already. But come on, Looney. Starting center, I believe he will be. He's too high on fan tracks. Um, he was 227th in 21 minutes. He probably plays about the same and produces about the same. And that's real back-end, low upside value for very deep leagues. Then you got the bench. Pool. I've talked at length about Jordan Poole already. Dante DiVincenzo comes in, probably takes the Gary Payton role. 20, 21 minutes a night. I'd love for them to give that opportunity to Moses Moody over DiVincenzo, who really struggled with his shot last season. But he can be an interesting contributor if there are minutes available with Steph or Clay sitting. Because he can get steals. He can shoot better from three. He can pass a little bit. He's a name to watch who I think will become a useful streamer, almost in the Patrick Beverly realm um, from last season. Probably not that high. But that's where we look at him. Kaminga's a last-round flyer who probably can crack the top 200 after being outside the top 330 last year. But it's going to come down to efficiency. Can he improve that? And can he do something? Can he pass ever? That'd be good. And then there is Wiseman, who we mentioned already. Didn't play last season. Um, I don't have him projected for huge numbers, but I can see the upside in it. I can see the opportunity that if he does figure it out, there is some real value. I'd like to see more of Moses Moody. When you look at Modi Moody, Modi Moody, 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 Moses Moody, Moses Moody. Unfortunately, I think the signing of DiVincenzo probably hurts his overall upside. I'd like to see him push ahead, but even then, it's Clay, Steph, and Paul all ahead of him. He's not going to wow us with fantasy contributions immediately. He needs to be in a larger role to do that. Could he work into becoming like a future Gary Harris? Maybe that's what he could work into, but it's probably not going to be this year. So yeah, I don't think he's going to be draftable in most formats. You've got... Jermichael Green, who I don't think will be an every-night player. There'll be Wiseman, Looney, Kaminga, um, Wiggins, who get a lot of those minutes up front, and then maybe Green comes in as an emergency type of guy. Ryan Rollins is a player I like, second-round guy. Um, but again, I've already talked about how many guards there are. It's going to require injuries. He's just one to watch for Dynasty. Patrick Baldwin, don't expect to see much of him. Quindary Weatherspoon, a two-way player. He's just a really useful wing player who's developed a little bit of a shot, not going to be a fantasy guy. Lester Kinones. Um, on a two-way as well, I wouldn't expect to see much out of him. And then there's Mac McClung and Trevion Williams, who I guess will be fighting it out for one of the final roster spots if they even get to that stage because they might just not run with that. They've also got Jerome Robinson on the roster too, but these aren't going to be guys that have much impact for fantasy. And that, guys, will do it for me today with the Warriors. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Thumb it up. Leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.